Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 140 of the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Sarah, and I'm joined by my co-host, Helen. Hello, everybody. And we're recording this on the 24th of April as the UK and most of the world continues to be in lockdown. Thank you for continuing to listen. We hope you're all doing okay. And we hope that, you know, during this time, which we know is a tough time for many people, that the podcast can hopefully continue to be a source of career inspiration, reassurance, or even just some friendly voices to listen to (laughs) each week as you go for a walk. And this week, we're going to be talking about adaptability. So we're trying to make sure that we do choose topics that feel particularly relevant and pertinent right now, but equally won't go out of date if you're listening kind of six months from now, which who knows where we will be in six months from now. Who knows? Uh, hopefully we might have seen each other by then. That would be nice, Sarah. Yeah, that would, that would be nice. A, a long time to go without seeing you. Uh, thank goodness for technology. So in terms of adaptability then, we wanted to focus a little bit on what it is and why it's important. And then we'll get into some ways that you can develop your adaptability at work. So there's a really nice quote from Dr. Max McCohen, who wrote a really good book on innovation, actually. It's quite a nice quick read. But he says that all failure is failure to adapt. All success is successful adaptation. Investing in high adaptability will lead to higher returns because people will redivert energy wasted in what doesn't work into new success. And I think it's quite a rich uh, statement to make. There's a lot in there. But I think in the current climate, wasted energy is not great right now. I feel like we need to be trying new ways of working, uh, new approaches and learning really, really quickly whether they work. And if they don't work, we have to change because I think the danger is if we don't, that people just get really stuck and really unhappy and really ineffective. And that's not great. So I think adaptability, you know, always important and particularly when we talk about squiggly careers. But right now, in terms of the way people are working and how people are feeling about work and their careers, that ability to redivert wasted energy into what doesn't work into new success, I think is really, really important. And there's a study by uh, Talent Economy, which I think also makes an interesting point about what HR decision makers are looking for for future skills. So if Max McEwen's kind of reinforcing adaptability is important right now, this Talent Economy report sort of tells us that it's going to be really important in the future. So they found that 91% of HR decision makers say they expect future employees to be recruited largely based on their ability to cope with change and uncertainty. Like 91% of HR people are looking for that ability in people. I almost want to meet the 9% 
who don't. <laughs> we want people who think the same every yeah. day. <laughs> so yeah, important and right, important right now and going to be important in the future. So it's definitely a skill that we should all be looking to develop. And I think the good news is that it is a skill. And there's a really nice quote that I found in a Deloitte report on adaptability, which we'll share in the resources for the podcast. But it's that adaptable is not something you do, it's something you become. And I like that because it just demonstrates this thing about it is a skill and it's something that with practice and maybe a bit of effort that we can all develop even more of. And for the podcast today, what we're going to talk about is three particular questions to maybe think about your adaptability. And it's inspired by a TED talk from Natalie Fratto. A really, really good TED Talk, quite short, very actionable. And she's an investor in startup businesses. And what the talk is all about is how she assesses startup businesses when she decides whether to invest in them or not. And one of the key things that she looks for is an IQ, so how smart these startup investors are. And it's not EQ, their ability to relate to other people. It's actually their AQ. And she has three questions which she's developed through her experience, which help her to assess their AQ their adaptability quotient, which she thinks is a predictor of their success in the kind of environments that we're all operating in. So what we thought we would do is take each question in turn, explore it a little bit, but spend most of our time then thinking about the so what. So for each question, if that's something that you want to improve, what could you go away and do in your day to day? And actually, having gone through this myself in preparation for this, I've ended up writing myself a really long to do list. So um, (laughs) hopefully, even if you're out for a walk, you might pause and get your notes page out. There'll be some hopefully useful ideas and actions for you in the next uh, 15 minutes or so. So the first question she asks is, Are you asking yourself, what if? Are you thinking ahead to the future? And are you good at thinking through possible future scenarios? And when I was thinking about this, the other connection that I made and that I think is useful to think about is how do you respond to constraints? How do you respond to perhaps things out of your control happening? And actually, do you think about what you might go and do and you respond to that kind of positively? And there's some work by um, Adam Morgan and Mark Barden on something called beautiful constraints that's really helpful here. And they talk about you can respond as either a victim, a neutraliser or a transformer. And actually, the kind of nuance is most of us don't respond as just one of them. We respond usually as all three and it's kind of a, a three stage process. But the sooner that you can get to be a transformer, the better. So just to pause on each of those and describe what they are. So the neutralising stage is where we essentially look for and adopt workaround strategies. So we kind of find ways around things. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, we're often thinking quite creatively and laterally to do this. And they said this is what most people do. So when you're thinking about the future or you've got constraints on you, you kind of work around it and kind of find ways to still do the things that you want to do. When you're acting as a transformer... This is when actually you use the constraint as a catalyst to get to better solutions. So this is where you get real kind of transformation and the constraints actually prompt you to think differently, to potentially have a breakthrough to kind of new approaches and new solutions, which I just thought that was particularly pertinent for right now. Even if I think about our business at Amazing If over the last three or four weeks, I think probably Helen and I have gone in and out of all of those stages, Mm. (laughs) you know, during kind of this period of time. And I think the sooner you get to asking what if, and thinking about the future, thinking about lots of possible scenarios, the good, the bad and the ugly, and doing it with a transformer mindset, I think that's where you can get to some really good thinking. 
I probably think I stick around that neutralizer stage. Mm, you don't, I think you they know, said that's the most common, I think. Yeah, rather than maybe really questioning it and thinking about breakthroughs, I'm probably, it's more workarounds because I'm so like, okay, how can we do it and fix it and get it moving? And maybe that transformer stage, that's probably my, my reflection from that. So a couple of extra practical actions I think you can take to improve your adaptability when you're thinking about the future. We know that you can't predict it. We heard that from Margaret Heffernan a couple of weeks ago talking about this. But what can you do to make this kind of useful for you right now? I think the first thing is to think about, are you thinking about your career and your kind of work in terms of possibilities rather than plans? So this is something that we will have, we, you know, we talk about quite regularly around your mindset in terms of exploring where you might go, the work that you might do, the jobs that you might be interested in. Have you kind of mapped out what your possible selves, to kind of borrow a phrase from Hanumana Ibarra, one of the London Business School professors, she talks about we all now have lots of possible selves and actually the more time we spend thinking about what they might be, the more we can start to think about what does that mean for the things that I'm doing right now. So for example, you might be thinking about, are you asking what if about your job in the next year's time? So what if I actually went and worked in a different team? What if actually I started to lead a team in a different way? What if I went to work for a different style of organisation? What if I worked for myself? I think perhaps Mm -hmm. some people are thinking about that a bit more now, or certainly I've had quite a few questions about that in the last couple of weeks. So possibility career thinking. The second practical action, which I really like, and I stole from a lady called Heather McGowan. So she wrote a book called The Adaptation Advantage that actually I think is just out in the last kind of couple of weeks. And I went to a webinar that she was talking about and she said, We should all kind of not focus on making products. We should focus on solving problems. And she said the people who are the most adaptable are very good at always being clear about the problems they're trying to solve in their job, in their team, in their organisation, perhaps even in your career. What are the problems you're motivated to solve in your career? Perhaps that's your kind of constant thread. And I think just thinking about have you asked those questions of yourself recently? Because if you're clear on your problem, it means that you kind of adapt everything around trying to solve that problem versus getting distracted or perhaps not prioritizing in the right way it reminds me a bit of that there's a book called does it make the boat go faster Mm. um and it reminds me a bit of that thinking as well around the idea with that book is that this guy was a rower i think for an olympic team i'm probably doing him a massive disservice um (laughs) i think you know a brilliant rower but all of the time they were so clear on the problem they were trying to solve was does it make the boat go faster that was their like propelling question and so they organized all of their energy and their efforts around that and it makes you very adaptable because you're adapting but you're very kind of focused on the constant which is the problem so i think some of this is about your mindset and your thinking and then some of it is then how does that thinking reflects the kind of the actions that you take but I find this really interesting because I think as Helen said a tendency for lots of us to stay in kind of neutralizer I think sometimes we don't ask what if because perhaps we find it scary or we find it difficult to kind of think about the future but actually it can help us to think differently it can be really rewarding and just that question around what are the problems you're trying to solve I think can be really useful wow nice yeah What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So the second question that Natalie Fratto talks about on that TED Talk is all about, are you an unlearner? And there's a quote that says, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. I almost want that in my office somewhere. I love it. That's um, It's Alvin Toffler, who's a futurist. And I've quoted that, I think, more than anything else in the last year. And I just think it's a really powerful statement for how we all need to think about learning. Oh, I totally agree. And I really like it. She gives some really good examples of people who are really good unlearners in the TED Talk. She talks about this one guy who changes his bike so that when he turns left it goes right and when he goes right it goes left and he calls it the backwards brain bike and it took him <laughs> so that funny. would blow my mind I know well it took him eight months she said to be able to ride the bike even somewhat normally because we're so hardwired mm. to you know we've learned things and it kind of gets really entrenched in our brains and whether that's about knowledge or the way that we think we should do things or you know the way we use technology and I think The whole thing about being an unlearner is I think learning at times should be uncomfortable. It should feel a bit challenging because it's maybe knowledge that isn't kind of what you thought about. You're learning in a different way. And I just think that bike thing is quite a nice example. My less sporty example is technology. So I, particularly when I used to work at Microsoft, so obviously at Microsoft, I used all the Microsoft products. So I'd use like, you know, Microsoft Surface and all that kind of stuff. And at home, I would use all of the Apple products. And I used to find that actually for my brain, sometimes Sometimes that was quite hard because I was having to constantly (laughs) like switch between, oh, how do you use the keyboard here? And how does this go here? After a while, I think you almost become a bit of an ambidextrous learner. You know, you're able to pick this stuff up more quickly. You you become more adaptable. That's the whole point. But it's almost know that there's almost a little bit of discomfort in learning sometimes, particularly if it's something new and that that is not a bad thing if you're going through the learn, unlearn and relearn phase. And we've got a couple of practical actions for you so that you can become more of an unlearner. The first thing's all about reframing. So it's not going to help you to learn in different ways if you're operating with a really fixed mindset. So if you're kind of going, I can't do this or that won't work for me or I've tried that before and it didn't work, that's going to keep you in just one particular state of mind. And we want you to be able to, in a, from a growth mind perspective, work in lots of different ways. The way that you can do that is from reframing. So if you say something like, I can't do Excel, let's say I can't do Excel, 
you might want to think about, I can't do numbers in tables, but I can spot patterns or reframe it. You know, it might be that I'm not good at logical numbers, but I'm really good at spotting patterns. And it's just about thinking about reframing some of what we might say are limiting beliefs that might hold you back. Sarah, do you think you have got any reframing? Yeah, I think sometimes I use my almost personality preferences as an excuse. So because I'm naturally more introverted, I don't think you can then say, oh, well, that gives you permission to not do things that make you uncomfortable. I was rereading Quiet, Susan Cain's book recently, and she talked about actually this rubber band theory of personality, where we are all rubber bands. And actually, for most of the work that we do, we all have to kind of have some sort of stretch that makes us uncomfortable and uncertain, and it kind of takes a certain amount of courage. But our ability to do that, to kind of stretch into new places, is easier to do, and you're more kind of motivated to do it if you're doing it in pursuit of work that you really enjoy. And so I think for me, at times where I've been doing work that I'm less passionate about, I stretch myself less. But when it's in pursuit of what we do now, which I kind of love and I feel like I'm doing the thing that I really want to be doing, I think I'm much more prepared to step out of my comfort zone. And a really small example this week, we had to record a very quick video for a client to just send over WhatsApp. And I don't like doing things really quickly, especially not to camera. And there might have been a little bit of a nudge from Helen, I think it's fair to say. Um, <laughs> oh, do you just want to record that video, Sarah? Yep, yeah, have you, have right you now. done that? As in, <laughs> as in now? And I was thinking, not really. But I think because I see the, well, I do want to do a good job for our clients and I do really believe in the content, I will take that kind of step and do something that's maybe, you know, it's done is better than perfect. It takes me to be a bit more agile. It takes me to be more adaptable. I think I've got more adaptable from kind of running my own business than I can ever have imagined just because I think it almost requires that and I can see why when Natalie was kind of thinking about the kind of adaptation quotient thing it becomes such a critical thing for startups because I think if you're not adaptable you will find it really really hard I can now I'm in one I can really understand where (laughs) that came from. So that first thing's then around reframing. The second one is all around mistakes. And Sarah's getting into that a little bit, I think, there with almost like this perfection. If you're driven by perfection, you always want to do it right and you want to do it really perfectly. Unlearning and relearning is going to be really hard because it's likely that it's not going to be as easy. You might make some mistakes. And so actually just recognising mistakes as a good thing and thinking about when have you made some mistakes because it's in the mistakes that you might be trying something different and you'll definitely learn something. So maybe have a reflection for yourself on what mistakes you're making and what you've learned from them. And the last thing for a practical action with this unlearning piece is about your habits and maybe shaking up some of your habits. So if, for example, you always read the same source for your articles or you always use the same apps for your learning or, you know, you always watch TED Talks, then go and watch something else. Uh, Go find another source of learning. Just think about what habits that you've got into that are keeping you in the same sort of learning state and whether you can shake them up. Maybe it's the time of day. Maybe it's where you're learning. Maybe you go for a walk and you listen to a podcast rather than watching a TED talk at your table. Whatever it is, just think about habits that might be holding you back and how you can maybe change them up so you can be more of an unlearner. And then the final question is about whether you explore or exploit. And actually, it's really interesting, again, to hear some of the examples in the TED talk where she talks about people who, people who exploit, I guess, really kind of focus on what they already do and what they already do well. And I guess they want to squeeze every ounce of value out of that. Now, potentially that sounds like a smart thing to do. It sounds like you're kind of optimizing things and kind of being productive. 
But I think the challenge with that is that you're also closing things down. You're not open to, I suppose, looking around other places for inspiration. Perhaps you might miss trends. You might miss kind of what's happening in the market. We often talk about this thing called meerkat moments where you kind of pop your head up and look around and kind of see what's happening. And I think that helps you to connect dots in new ways. And she gives the example actually of kind of Blockbuster and Netflix and actually Blockbuster being very kind of in the kind of exploit world and not really kind of seeing how things were changing, which is quite interesting. So what does this mean for us in terms of exploring? Well, I think for me, when I was thinking about this, I think there's a real parallel here between growth and fixed mindsets. And I think when you have a growth mindset, you are in this kind of exploring mode of you're open to kind of seeing different things, to exploring, to kind of being curious. And so if you think practically about when might you be in explore and when might you be in exploit mode? And let's think about kind of two or three different frames of thinking about this. I think the first one is about relationships. So if you're in kind of exploit mode with relationships, and it's not, I appreciate it's kind of a bit of a negative word. I sort of almost feel a bit uncomfortable saying it, but exploiting, I suppose, relationships would be about you're only spending time probably with people you already know. Perhaps you're only spending time with people in your organization and you're not exploring new relationships you're not going beyond the relationships maybe that you need right now to borrow that kind of phrase from Margaret Heffernan you're not kind of just being curious about people who are in different types of worlds than you so I think that's potentially one to think about are you in when you think about your relationships are you exploring or just exploiting and of course I I suspect the ultimate here for most of us is a combination of both we're not saying ignore all the people you already know but I think just be careful of falling into the trap of only building those relationships. I think the second thing which relates really to kind of the learning point is around knowledge. If you're asking yourself, what are you curious about and why? If the answer to that question is all about your existing knowledge, is there an opportunity to kind of open up your thinking a little bit to kind of new knowledge, to new areas that you want to explore and be curious about? Maybe not just things that are kind of very specific to the here and now. And then the final one is just thinking about Are you really kind of reliant on your employer, whatever that might kind of look like in terms of almost exploiting all the resources and the opportunities that you kind of have within your existing employment world? Or are you also kind of taking ownership yourself for exploring, I guess, the art of the possible, which brings us really nicely back to that kind of point around possibilities and not being kind of too focused on plans. And I think when you have this kind of exploring mindset generally, I think new things come your way that you kind of haven't imagined. And I think you can connect dots in kind of new and different ways as well. And it's interesting, when I first started thinking about adaptability a week ago, when we started to think about this for the podcast, I was actually thinking, I don't think this is necessarily a strength for me. I think it does take me a little while to kind of really adapt to kind of a new situation, to a new context and to kind of feel my way through things. I don't think this is kind of a natural talent for me. I do think it has been accelerated, I have to say, Mm -hmm. by both A, running your own business. I do think accelerates your adaptability because it's almost in the, it's the nature of the work. But also I wonder whether right now, actually everybody's adaptability skills, whether we like it or not, are really being stretched. That probably does feel, I think recognising that will feel hard and uncomfortable at times. But if there's a benefit from it, it's probably setting us all up for the world of work for the future much better particularly if there was not nine in ten hr directors are going to be asking for and assessing us for it in the future in our interviews well you know if you just said to people four weeks ago do you think the whole of your company could successfully operate working at home 
probably nine out of 10 people would have answered no. And yet people are finding ways through it, are kind of adapting. And I think we we probably all have more ability to adapt than we give ourselves credit for. It's just that it can be hard. I think the point that you raise as well about it being hard is really important. So the podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago on resilience, I think if you're in this mode now and you think, oh yeah, I'm right in the middle of adapting on all levels and I feel like I'm trying to explore and I feel like I'm trying to unlearn and I feel like I'm trying to ask what ifs and it's really, really hard, then it's probably a good time just to listen to the resilience podcast as well. Like find some time to listen to that one because it might, I think these two go hand in hand, like adaptable and resilience. It feels like there's like a virtuous circle so that's the end of this week's podcast we'll put all the links to lots of different things we found the Deloitte article that we mentioned some other research and things and of course the TED talk as well so that you can go and watch that just to kind of accompany some of the things that we've been talking about we really appreciate you listening we hope this is a really important source of your development during this time if it is we would love you to rate review subscribe wherever you listen to it it does help us to reach new people as well next week on the podcast it's a one of our special ones where we're going to be doing some guests and in that episode Sarah and I are going to be talking to Adam and David who are also hosts of a Creative Rebels podcast and they have some really interesting businesses as well and the podcast episode is all about how we can all be creative that it's a skill that everyone's got and how we can almost have like practical creativity and put it into our work and put it into our lives and they are just such great people to speak to it's a such a nice positive conversation to have and we all recorded it remotely so we're all in different places so yeah it'd be an interesting one to listen to but thanks so much for listening this week and we'll be back with you next week thanks everyone bye for now bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 